podcast. Uh, my name is Kelly Fox, um, and today I'm here with Hannah. What's your last name? It's Sawyer. 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 Mm-hmm. Hannah Sawyer. Um, and we're just going to talk today about a bunch of things. I'm just going to kind of uh, get to know her and let you guys get to know her too. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just awkward. That was so. a good introduction. Great. Yes. Great. You're so doing like, fine. You know, just tell us about yourself. Yes. Well, um, I am a disabled writer and artist, I guess. Um, and I'm very interested. A lot of my work has to do with um, ideas of the body, representations of the body, um, what we see as other, and then how that influences, um, you know, our thoughts on other versus not other, Mm -hmm. I guess. Mm -hmm. Kind Um, of like the ins and outs groups. Yeah, and so that is something um, I'm very interested in. And a lot of my work, I would say, deals with that. Okay. Uh, What kind of art do you do? Well, I mean, I'm more of a writer than an artist. Mm -hmm. But um, sometimes my writing includes, you know, like doodles or drawings, um, sketches, things like that. Cool. Cool. Mm -hmm. I, I write poetry. And I don't do art. And I rarely actually write my poetry, so... Yes. (laughs) That's okay. Why am I such an awkward person? Well, we could talk about, like, how feminism and um, disability studies, I guess, can intersect. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Sure. Okay. (laughs) So, I mean, there's this great book out there Mm -hmm. um, called The Rejected Body. Mm -hmm. Okay, The Rejected Body, Feminist Philosophical... Reflections on Disability by Susan Wendell. Hmm. And um, that was a book that I read when I was, I believe, a junior in my undergrad. Um, Hmm. And it really talks about how feminist theory, um, or I guess how disability and other bodies can be looked at through a feminist lens Mm -hmm. and how they really go hand in hand. And I think that it's very illuminating, and I think that um, it was very illuminating for me as well, like very um, revolutionary, I guess, for me at that time. Mm -hmm. And I think one one of the parts of the book that really stuck with me was a discussion of how there's this idea of raising a disabled child um, to really have this disgust for their disability. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it sort of paralleled that with, you know, it would be considered, it is considered abhorrent to, um, you know, want a white baby over a black baby or want to raise a white child Mm -hmm. over a black child. Mm -hmm. And um, so just sort of thinking about that. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, something that I've been kind of talking about with the the whole podcast, uh, like I kind of explained to you, is um, this idea of like 
um, men having to stick to a very strict societal definition of like masculinity. Yeah, of masculinity and like uh, who they're allowed to be, and also like very much so who they're not allowed to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know, just like hearing you talking about like how how maybe how certain bodies Mm -hmm. are valued Mm -hmm. over others, perhaps, Mm -hmm. and how that could then speak to that idea or uh when you were talking about how like people teach disabled children to like hate their disability yes and i feel like that like kind of along with the same like thing about masculinity and for sure i'm all i'm like my biggest thing is uh caring about like liberation of all people from Mm -hmm. like all oppressions Mm -hmm. um and so like what would it look like to be you know liberated from Mm -hmm this internal oppression that you would be taught. Yeah. Well, I want to go back a second to Mm -hmm. that um, idea of teaching disabled kids to hate their disability. Mm -hmm. Um, Two things I want to touch on. So first, the just the language of that. So disabled versus disability and why Mm -hmm. I use both. Mm -hmm. Um, So just for your listeners and maybe for yourself if you're unfamiliar with Mm -hmm. this, but um, there are two... Um, widely recognized models of disability and there's the social model of disability and then there's the medical model of disability and the medical model of disability says that um, says that it is your condition and your body that is disabling you essentially and so um, you have a disability Mm -hmm. you know because you have that condition you Mm -hmm. have that body Um, And then the social model of disability says that you're not actually disabled by your condition or your body, but by society's inability to um, adapt to your needs. Mm -hmm. So the social model of disability would say that, um, that the way forward then is to work on making a society that is able to adapt um, to everyone's needs regardless of, you know, what their body Mm -hmm. or mind is Mm -hmm. like. And the medical model of disability says that the way forward is to look for cures Mm -hmm. for said conditions. Mm -hmm. Now, I myself prefer the social model of disability. Mm -hmm. However, they're not, in my opinion, um, you can't really go all one way or the Mm -hmm. other you know there's Mm -hmm. pros and cons of each Mm -hmm. and um ideally my ideal world would Mm -hmm. be a society a world where someone that is disabled um or has a disability however you choose to say that um someone is that person has true the true ability to make a choice for themselves whether or not they want a cure Mm -hmm. for their disease or condition Mm -hmm. or whether or not they don't. And what Mm -hmm. I mean by that is that they're not, you know, influenced by outside outside influences, I guess, that would make them sway one way or another. And our society right now is very, you know, the medical model is the big thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, another thing I want to touch on Mm -hmm. is just so, I mean, you've heard me say disabled person Mm -hmm. versus person with a disability. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And that is often referred to as identity first language versus person first language. And it really goes back to the model idea because if you adhere to the medical model of disability, then someone has a disability. Whereas if you adhere to the social model of disability, then someone is disabled. Mm -hmm. But there are quite a few people out there that would be offended by the term disabled or by saying, um, you know, I am a disabled person. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that is because the medical model um, is so popular and so um, ingrained in our society. And then, of course, also um, disability and disabled, the word disabled, they have such strong negative stigmas and connotations Mm -hmm. to them, which is a whole other thing we could talk about. Um, so yeah, that was just a tangent. Um, but to get back to the thing of raising, how we raise disabled kids to hate their disability. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily, I don't think it's a conscious thing, you know, and I don't think, I wouldn't ever want to, um, say or try to say how a parent should parent, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, But I think it's just a symptom of all of the things I just talked about, right? Um, It would be... It would be, and again, not to compare different um, marginalized communities, but it would be similar to someone of the LGBTQ community growing up knowing that... um, you know, being gay, being queer Mm -hmm. is very stigmatized, very looked down on, even though it is getting better. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they internalize that, you Mm -hmm. know? So it's sort of that same sort of idea. Mm -hmm. What was your specific question? Oh, no, I mean, I was just talking about... um, How do we deal with that? I guess, like, uh, I was just (laughs) thinking, like, what does a world look like where we don't teach people Mm -hmm. to hate themselves, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. Well, no, I mean, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I think it goes back to like my ideal society, right? Mm-hmm. Where like people truly have the ability to choose how they want their body to be, whether it is. Um, more in line with mainstream ideals of Mm -hmm. what a body should be Mm -hmm. or whether it is not. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, if we were to apply that to this idea of masculinity, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like I'm, or at least with my own idea of masculinity and like what the perfect masculinity mm-hmm. would be would be kind of a similar thing to have the freedom to decide how you express your gender or yes. to have the freedom to like explore your sexuality without yes. having to um, feel pressure to yes. not do that yes. <laughs> or to feel like you'll look, be looked down upon for um, straying from the norm yes <sighs> who decides yes. the norm really <laughs> yes exactly I'm uh, the patriarch the patriarchy. Yes. I have a new a new sticker. I saw it. I love all of your yes. stickers. Yes. Um, 
but anyway, yeah, I'm very for just like lessening of oppression of all groups. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think even though like I've mostly talked in this podcast about men and, um, masculinity issues, Mm -hmm. um, I think it's also important to talk about like the not (laughs) right. Well, and I, but I think they all intersect, you know, and I think, um, I mean, another way that that we could go about this topic is Mm -hmm. looking at, um, I think you asked me, I think the question was something about how, what would liberation from that look like? Mm -hmm. And to me, it was, it was a realization that it's sort of that idea of like, once you're aware Mm -hmm. that you're under this jar, like Mm -hmm. once you become aware of it, then you can break out of it. Right. Mm -hmm. So it was this, um, this, um, continued awareness that really began when I was a freshman in undergrad because mm-hmm. I began, um, I, I was, I got in a Facebook group. There was four other adults with neuromuscular diseases. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I was suddenly, um, exposed to many different and new perspectives on disability than mm-hmm. I had than what I had known growing up, mm-hmm. such as the social model of disability, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and in my opinion, and probably, you know, it's, like I said, this is what a lot of my work focuses on, it all comes back to um, mainstream definitions and ideals of what a body should be. Mm-hmm. And if we wanted to expand that then to um, mental disabilities, we could say mainstream definitions and ideals of what a mind should be as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so once you're really to see, okay, I am operating in a society or in a culture that disvalues or devalues my body mm-hmm. because it is different, and mm-hmm. I have you know many ideas and theories about why you know disabled people are shoved to the sidelines. Mm-hmm. and everything but once you start to become aware of that then you're like oh well this is a bunch of bullshit yeah and then you can break out of it mm-hmm. and i think it's i think it really can tie in with the idea of masculinity because again we have this one version right of what a man should be yeah um and to say that that is not harmful for men is just not true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's harmful for every single mm-hmm. um, identity out there, but it is harmful for men mm-hmm. as well. Um, and I think that, you know, if we look at, look at it through this idea of um, all different types of bodies, all mm-hmm. different types of brains, mm-hmm. all different types of expressions of gender or identity mm-hmm. or sexuality mm-hmm. um i think that's where they can start to speak to each other yeah there's yeah. different um disciplines and areas of mm-hmm. thought so like i've been i've been fo- focusing on masculinity but like um i guess my thing is uh i think the reason that people are often like hateful or like op- oppressing for lack mm-hmm. of a better word i guess uh is because it starts at the top with like cis straight white Mm -hmm. able-bodied men um and then goes down from there Mm -hmm. and so uh like 
obviously I believe that marginalized groups need to be freed from oppression. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been focusing on the people who are oppressing because, like, I think that... Like, when I think of it, uh, have you ever been, like, really mad at something and then you don't do anything about it, you just, like, hold it in? Mm-hmm. And then it starts, like, affecting people who are not even involved with whatever you're mad about. Yes. So that's, like, kind of how I see mm-hmm. masculinity. There's, like, this very limited, really suffocating, like, role that you have to live into. And uh, <clears throat> because of this suffocating role that's placed on white, cis, straight, mm-hmm. able-bodied men, um, they lash out on mm-hmm. every other marginalized group that has always been underneath them. And mm-hmm. when they see, kind of like you're talking about, once you see the jar, then you can try to break out. Well, mm-hmm. when they see people trying to break out of the jar, they... I feel like it are kind of reminded it of... It stabilizes mm-hmm, them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, um, like, even though I focus a lot on men, um, mm-hmm. it's only because I'm, I guess I'm trying to see or have empathy for them, for, mm-hmm. for people who can be so um, hateful, mm-hmm. like, to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, like, where it starts is, since we live in a patriarchal mm-hmm. white society that values able-bodied people and, um, what is, straight people, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, then we have to, like, figure out what their problem is first before Mm -hmm. we can get them to stop lashing out on everyone else, and then once we can show them that they're also in a jar, that then, uh, they can, Mm -hmm. like, help everyone else out of theirs. I guess that's, like, kind of my idea (laughs) yeah that's really interesting yeah i would i need i feel like i need to like mull that over in my mind yeah yeah before i could like (laughs) make any comments on it yeah i yeah i I think it's really interesting Mm -hmm. um when i was an undergrad Mm -hmm. we i took a gender women sexuality studies class um and we had a guest speaker one day and he actually he was black queer and he was a dancer no he was not well no he was a dancer but he was also mainly a performance artist Mm -hmm. um and he argued the exact opposite of that really in that um free like complete uh, liberation of groups that are being oppressed starts with finding the most oppressed group and freeing them. Mm -hmm. And so he argued, his example was um, black, queer, trans women, Mm -hmm. I think was the example that he gave. And how um, if you wanted to work on liberating, um, you know, communities in our society, then you would start at the very bottom and work Mm -hmm. your way up. Mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, which one. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I'm not, you could go, you could work both ways. (laughs) I am not um, informed enough, I guess, Mm -hmm. to say which of those Mm -hmm. I would agree with, but I think that they most certainly both have Mm -hmm. um, value. Yeah, yeah. I think, like, my thing is, like, um, I think that there's a lot of, like, power, obviously, that, Absolutely. like, white, like, 
white cis straight able bodied yes. men hold. Um, and if we could use that power to Absolutely. free the oppression of other people, then yeah. it would be so much easier. And since they're the oppressive force themselves, if we can like deactivate mm-hmm. that, then we can get rid of everything I else. Think, yeah, I think that's a very um, good point. And I also, yeah. it makes me think of like, you know, ally, mm-hmm. allyship and building mm-hmm. allies. And um, mm-hmm. I think often. Again, I don't know if this is true, but I often think that changing the world or a quote-unquote revolution, mm-hmm. um, and by that I mean like a non-violent, <laughs> yes. you know, I'm not talking yeah. up in arms here, but, but something like, you know, what we've seen in these past few years, I don't think, I don't think true change happens just from the people that are being oppressed yeah. and are by saying and by say, and, or, excuse me and are saying hey there needs to be a change yeah. i think ultimately it happens when mm-hmm. allies step in mm-hmm. and say you're right there mm-hmm. does need to be a change and i think that that is where um i could see that working mm-hmm. yeah. like i i think of like uh i mean it's really corbin made my podcast um rated pg-13 so i think it's really really shitty but um like the fact that like i don't think that you really care about something truly until you know someone who's like involved in it you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. kind of like until you are an ally of someone who's involved with any marginalized group like you probably don't care as much and so you can say you care but like until you're a part of it you can't yeah so um yeah I kind of agree with that like I do believe that like we should start at the bottom and like Mm -hmm. free the most oppressed of people Mm -hmm. and stop that but I also think that if we're going to try to go for true like liberation for Mm -hmm. everyone then yeah, no, we also I, have to deal with the top. I would totally agree <laughs> yeah. with that. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think that's where, that's almost like this idea of if you can get, if you can get the people who are most benefiting mm-hmm. from the oppressive system that you're under mm-hmm. to say, hey, this isn't right, mm-hmm. then something is going yeah. to change. Yeah. 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 Um, so I didn't get to bring Macbeth up in my last podcast, but I'm obsessed with Macbeth. Okay. Like, um, uh, there's uh, a recent adaptation of Macbeth with Michael Fassbender in it. It's very good. I love it. Okay. Um, I'm obsessed. Um, and I did my senior capstone on uh, Macbeth and the gender mm-hmm. um, power structures in it. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've... Kind of like you said, like you'd have to mull this over before you. Yes. I've been uh, thinking about this for, you know, a few years now. Yes. Um, I did my capstone. I finished it in the the spring of twenty seventeen and it's twenty nineteen now. So I guess that's a couple years that I've been thinking. About yes. <laughs> um, but it started with um, this is kind of like if you want to go back and listen to the first two episodes. Um, I kind of started with like looking at Macbeth and I don't know if you're like familiar I'm familiar okay. with Macbeth good. yes good I, some people don't know I, like, wow. I, I took the last class I took as an undergrad mm-hmm. was my summer the summer before I graduated mm-hmm. and it was a Shakespeare class nice. and we read Macbeth and then we saw the play so cool. if you would have interviewed me before then then no I would have not been familiar <laughs> but I am so Here yes um but anyway uh so 
I originally started with wanting to talk about like how um, like Macbeth and Lady Macbeth seem to like kind of lose it like they Mm -hmm. become murderous and Mm -hmm. like Lady Macbeth ends up committing suicide and Macbeth ends up killing everyone and Mm -hmm. uh, I was like let's just go through the play and watch how they fall apart Mm -hmm. Um, like based on their gender like so we take the two um, Macbeths and like go through the play and deal with that and um, as I like read it and literally I've seen this version of Macbeth this 2015 version with Michael Fassbender I've probably seen it 30 times like (laughs) way too many times anyway um, but as I watched it I watched how um, kind of like you're talking about like that internalized like hate for mm-hmm. yourself um i watched as Macbeth like had those moments where he hated the parts of him that were feminine like yes. guilt or yep. fear or sadness like mm-hmm. he would hold that back and have like his little soliloquy moments where mm-hmm. he's off by himself um i also got to see Macbeth live which was like i literally mm-hmm. cried uh, wow. at a little theater up in um cleveland Ohio, mm-hmm. which is where I live. Or not where I live. I live in Ohio. Yes. But Cleveland is like a couple hours away. Yes. I have a theater there. Um, anyway, so they don't often play Macbeth because it's like superstitious. Very dark. and uh, yeah, oh, it, that And too. that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's very dark. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I went on opening night and it was just interesting to see that live, see the, the live like falling apart and like seeing that self-hatred and the like... I feel uh, like I might have even now that you're talking about it, I might have seen clips from the Michael Fast. Yeah, I'm gonna look this up. It's so good. I'm obsessed. But continue, yes. Um. Yeah, I feel like I've seen it. If that's the truth, then I, I think I've seen it. <laughs> that's why I wanted that one over the other ones I watched because all the other Macbeths that I watched were like too feminine. Oh yes. Yep. I've seen. I've seen yes. clips from this. Yes. And Lady Macbeth is incredible. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. Anyway. Uh, so anyway, that's like kind of the basis of my... That's what began my whole um, thoughts around gender and how we're kind of taught by society to uh, hate parts of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, it was kind of the first time me seeing that in men because I am mm-hmm. not a man. <laughs> and right. I don't have any um, brothers or sisters. I'm an only child, and mm-hmm. um, I don't really have a strong father figure, mm-hmm. and so um, I've never really like seen like been able to see masculinity right. in action. Um, besides like short moments with other family members, mm-hmm. um, but to see like kind of that process of yeah. figuring out his own masculinity and what is allowed and what isn't allowed mm-hmm. was really interesting, and that's kind of how I started this, and then. Um, Last year, I started this podcast about a year ago um, when the, uh, what is it, the Parkland shooting happened mm-hmm. in Florida, and I was in a rhetoric and writing class, mm-hmm. and uh, basically it was supposed to be another capstone class, but I did my capstone already, and I was like, we're not doing that again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so my options were to write a 10-page paper, or I could do a um, original assignment, like something different, something yeah. new. So I decided to do a podcast and I sat down with um, the chaplain at my school just because he was like a mentor of mine. Mm -hmm. And I talked to him about um, masculinity and gun violence and how like uh, 
we suppress men to be violent and we teach them that that's the correct way and to do anything else is the incorrect way mm-hmm. and uh, kind of taught them this self-hatred for things that are not being violent or being like well we mostly, mostly talked about being violent yeah and we talked about how like uh, men have like a higher rate of suicide and like i think it's around 15 it becomes three times the suicide rate of women wow. um like well i mean young female teens right yeah (laughs) um and so like since then i've been kind of thinking about like how how is masculinity affecting everything and then uh if men who are like like since we live in a patriarchal society like the most privileged Mm -hmm. if men are still experiencing this like intense suffering then how how can liberating them liberate everyone else Mm -hmm. and so I, that's where I came up with this like top yeah. down theory. Not that it's like perfect. I mean like no, but it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's just it's just yeah. what I've been thinking about. I didn't take a gender class in mm-hmm. college because they didn't exist because I went to oh. a small private school. Um, so I took like a women's studies mm-hmm. class, and they actually had a like literature and sexuality class the semester after I graduated. Mm-hmm. Really hated my advisor for that. Um, I actually came yeah, and visited it like cool once. Yeah. Yeah. And they're now adding a gender study, gender studies minor, and I'm real, real mad about it because yeah. I would have done that. But um, yeah, so that's like where I kind of got this idea mm-hmm. from and um, why I think it's a good one because I was obsessed with Macbeth. That's kind of where yeah. this all started. I think that's interesting. Though. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I haven't like thus far yet, like really besides now, um, explored the intersection of like ability as mm-hmm. well um which like i'll admit is like kind of like bad on my part because i no, haven't really not, thought of it the thing is it's not talked about yeah so, like, yeah and that's the problem right exactly mm-hmm. so i mean it's always a learning process mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. i wonder how like ability affects the image of like so like the white cis mm-hmm. <laughs> straight um man but who right. has well, like a disability yeah and again i mean like i don't know because like you know i'm not a man but cool. um <laughs> but i do know that there i know from speaking with other people other disabled mm-hmm. people um that there's often the thought that Dating mm-hmm. with a disability is easier as a woman mm-hmm. than it is as a man, and mm-hmm. I don't. Again, I don't know how true that is, yeah. but the idea is that um, since you know men in relationships, men in the dating world are expected to be the more quote unquote dominant person, mm-hmm. um, that if you're if you're in a wheelchair, if you're physically um, disabled in some way Mm -hmm. that can perhaps impede on at least someone's perception Mm -hmm. of that it can be hard to live into your uh set role of being the dominant in the relationship if or at least right well right and and at least and and also other other people's perceptions of that you know someone is going to probably perceive someone in a wheelchair as more fragile, mm-hmm. more childlike, mm-hmm. um, less leader-like, mm-hmm. less um, 
uh, able, I guess. Yeah. You know? So mm-hmm. I think that that is certainly a way that that could um, tie into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's like, um, I keep thinking back to, um, I remember last year at AWP, um, which for those of you who do not know what AWP is, it's the Association of Writing and Writing Press Conference. Uh, And last year it was in a convention center in Tampa, and it was not very accessible Mm -hmm. for um, people who couldn't do an escalator or Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what those are called, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. It just wasn't very accessible. Yeah. And um, there was a whole, like, um, I wasn't able to go to it, but one of my friends went to mm-hmm. it. Um, there's a whole, I think there was a few presentations on, like, ability mm-hmm. and the issues around that. And there was, like, a, a whole, like, disability caucus as mm-hmm. well, I believe. Right? Right? No, no, you just, like, you can tell me, and then I'll cut it out. Leave me alone. Well, just so you can review it later, maybe. Um, so I do know that there has been a lot of controversy surrounding AWP yeah. regarding accessibility, and a lot of There's like a- um, disability rights mm-hmm. activists have been pushing for more acceptance and more proper planning mm-hmm. um, in terms of accessibility. I believe they've made strides... Um, and that people are lauding that. And I also believe that they do have a caucus for this people year or with disabilities. Did they have one last year? I believe they're having one this year. So they didn't have one last year? That I'm unsure of. Okay. Um, also, I know that they are working on making things more accessible for those with um, mental disabilities, such mm-hmm. as, um, I think this would count, they have a night of people to gather together who have been sexually harassed or assaulted Mm -hmm. um, so they can kind of get together and discuss that, Mm -hmm. especially as it relates to the publishing and writing worlds. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do believe that there is a caucus within it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, yeah, so Mm -hmm. there's that on that. But I will say that's like one of the huge things that like AWP is... Yes, and I am... I have never been to AWP, Mm -hmm. um, but... From my the people that I follow on Twitter, yes, I know yeah. that there's a lot of uproar mm-hmm. in the disability community mm-hmm. over, um, yeah, um, yeah. So that's what just kind of like what it made me think of. Yeah, and, for uh, sure. Kind of, I guess I'm glad that we're able to talk because this still, even though I'm so small and not a lot of people know about me, um, it's still but, important to talk about these things that are not talked about enough you know yes and it's I like mean, any sort of discussion is always a good discussion yeah, you yeah. know yeah truly cool. well thanks for talking to me thanks and for having me on kelly letting me record you and all of that so can i give a plug yeah yeah okay so another thing which we didn't really talk about but mm-hmm. we um and we don't really have time to talk about but um, I have a project called This Body is Worthy, which is about celebrating um, all various types of bodies outside of mainstream ideals, which I think fits into mm-hmm. this discussion. Um, it could, you know, uh, also deal with various um, forms and expressions of masculinity. Mm-hmm. And yes, if anybody wants to check that out, we're always open to new submissions mm-hmm. and new collaborations mm-hmm. um 
So you can find us at thisbodyisworthy.com. Okay. I'll put a link to that in my my podcast list. Good form. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it's been great talking to you and having a little discussion and uh, kind of breaking away from the format that I've had so far. Yes. Um, So thanks for talking to me. Of course. Thank you. And uh, I hope you guys will stay tuned and listen to more episodes. I hope you like this kind of thing. That's cool. If not, sucks. I'll do what I want. (laughs) Um, And uh, I hope you come back to the next episode. Bye. Bye.